Welcome to Grace to All. I'm your host, Paul Gray. You've probably used the word grace, sang Amazing Grace, or said grace at a meal. But did you know that God's grace is way better than we can even imagine, and that you and all people already have an abundant supply of God's unlimited amazing grace? Today, we're going to hear the truth about God's amazing grace to all people. So, sit back, relax, and prepare to be inspired and awakened to the amazing treasures that you already possess. This is truth that you can handle. Hey everybody, good to be with you again. Paul Gray here. Last time we talked about God's unlimited, never-failing, all-powerful power, which is continually expressed as love, and we call that grace. Grace is love in action. I want to clarify something I said last week about God's all-powerful power being more powerful than any human's will. In this life, in the natural, I understand that God influences us to make good decisions, but he doesn't generally force us to do something, doesn't make us do something. He doesn't make decisions for us. He works with our free will. In a real sense, he submits to our free will and works it for the ultimate good. The greatest example of that was when religion and government, unlikely bedfellows, joined forces, and people's free will decided in both those groups to kill Jesus. And he submitted, and God turned it into the ultimate good for all people. See, free will is only truly free when a person has all the knowledge there is available, all the truth there is available, to make an informed free will decision. If you're making a decision based on lies, false concepts, lack of information, you're not freely making your decision. I'm going to give you an example. I'm a musician by trade. I I grew up down in the Ozarks in Missouri. Now, one of the schools that I knew about was the Rolla School of Mines. And they had virtually no music department. I mean, maybe just a very little bit. And there were some other schools, technical schools, that maybe had a band or a choir. But in many instances, they weren't even as good as some top-notch high school bands or choirs. Now, if I would have not known about the University of Kansas or Juilliard or Berkeley or somewhere like that and thought that the only possible music opportunities were at somewhere like the Rolla School of Mines, well, I wouldn't be able to make an informed free will decision about where to go to school for music. Now, the similar situation is this. In the next life, in the unseen and eternal world, which actually exists right now, you and I and everyone will have all the information necessary to make our, quote, free will, unquote, decision. All there is in eternity and in the unseen world is truth. There is nothing else to choose. So in that sense, God's all-powerful power only gives us one option for our free will. There literally will not be anything else to choose. I hope that explains my thinking of where I was coming from last week. Now, 
Back to God's all-powerful power in us right now. It's not a force. It's not an abstract energy field. It's certainly not something that can be manipulated. It's not something that can be used for evil. Instead of being an abstract, impersonal force with an F, it's actually our personal source with an S. Not a force, but a source. Now, what we're all about in our time together here and, and in life is experiencing the overflowing power within us that is actually the source himself. The Trinity's all-powerful love in you is continually empowering you. For what? Well, let's take a look at some scripture. The Holy Spirit of Christ is in you. What is he or she doing there? All these scriptures are from the Apostle Paul, and Jesus taught him personally. He was the first one to know about the Holy Spirit living in us, Christ in us, us in Christ. And look at what he wrote here. He wrote this to Titus, who was uh, an understudy of his, who was the overseer of several groups of Christians. Titus 2, 11 to 14. He said, God's marvelous grace has manifested in person. That's Jesus. God's marvelous grace is manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. And salvation is the word sozo, which means making whole or complete. God's marvelous grace, Jesus himself, has manifested in person, bringing salvation for everyone. This same grace, Jesus, the Holy Spirit of Jesus in us, this same grace teaches us how to live each day equips us to live self-controlled, upright, godly lives in this present age. For we continue to look forward to the joyful fulfillment of our hope in the dawning splendor of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus, the Anointed One. He sacrificed himself for us that he might purchase our freedom from every lawless deed and to purify for himself a people, that's us, who are his very own, passionate to do what is beautiful in his eyes. He has purified us. And he's continually purifying us. Second Timothy 1.7, he's writing to another protege. God did not give us a spirit of timidity or cowardice or cringing and fawning fear, but he has given us a spirit of power and of love and of calm and well-balanced mind and discipline and self-control. Philippians 3.10. Paul says, my determined purpose is that I may know, that I may know Jesus, that I may progressively become more deeply and intimately acquainted with him, perceiving and recognizing and understanding the wonders of his person more strongly and more clearly, and that I may in that same way come to know the power outflowing from his love, and that I may so share in that same way to come to know the power, the power outflowing from his love. What an amazing thing to even consider, the power outflowing from his love. And so that I may share his sufferings has to be continually transformed in spirit into his likeness, even to his death. 
The Passion says, I continually long to know the wonders of Jesus more fully and to experience the overflowing power of his resurrection working in me. A couple of more. Ephesians 3.14. I kneel humbly, Paul says, in awe before the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, the Messiah, the perfect Father of every father and child in heaven and on the earth. And I pray that he would unveil within you the unlimited riches of his glory and favor until supernatural strength floods your innermost being with his divine might and explosive power. And one more from John. John's quoting Jesus here, John 16, 12, and 13. Jesus says, there's so much more I'd like to say to you. This is a night before he knew he was going to die. But it's more than you can grasp at this moment. But when the truth-giving Spirit comes, the Holy Spirit of truth, the Holy Spirit of Christ, he will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak his own message, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. Have you ever heard any teaching on that before? Have you ever thought about that? The Holy Spirit in you, Jesus said, will reveal to you what is to come. We're going to look at that in a minute. So look at all the things from these passages I read. The Holy Spirit of Christ grace in person living in you is continually at work teaching you, bringing you salvation or making you whole, enabling you to be well-balanced and disciplined and self-controlled, equipping you to love, (laughs) equipping you for everything, empowering you for everything, including going through suffering. The Holy Spirit in you continually unveils and reveals every truth within you. The Holy Spirit within you is continually transforming you. The Holy Spirit in you reveals to you what is yet to come. The Holy Spirit in you helps you see and visualize and imagine what is to come. The Holy Spirit in you guides you in all the circumstances that you're in and helps you in all of them. For for example, just thinking about like worrying, the Holy Spirit in you, if we will ask him, will say, you don't need to worry about that. Or he'll say to me, and I know he will to you too, hey, you're not even thinking about God being with you in that instance. That's why you're worried. That's why you're full of anxiety. First of all, that's not even going to happen. And second of all, whenever something does happen, when you worry about it, you don't think about us being there helping you. So come on, don't think about it that way. Now, Jesus, the man, doesn't live physically in you. The eternal Christ, the spirit of Christ, grace personified, lives in you and is one with you and loves you and teaches you, and equips you, and empowers you, and continually reveals truth to you, and manifests as you, and continually works all things for the good in and for and with you. Grace, the Holy Spirit of Christ personified, grace who is all-powerful and all-good, is continually doing something good in you and in all people, whether you believe that or not, whether you know that or not, whether or not you're aware of that. And most people are not aware of it. 
but we get to tell them the good news. Grace is not just abstractly there waiting for you to ask for help or call it calling to mind a Bible verse to remember or something. No. Grace, the Holy Spirit of Christ personified, grace who is all-powerful and all-good, grace who is pure light with no trace of darkness, grace is working all things for the good. Grace, God is never against you, never repulsed by you, never withholds love or affection from you, never condemns you, never distances himself from you, never shames you, never punishes you, never hurts you, never blames you, never chastises you, never tempts you, never torments you, never harasses you, never even keeps a list of your wrongs. Grace always looks for the best in you and sees the best in you. Grace is never limited by your belief or your faith, or your actions. No, grace is always and continually doing good, working all things for the good, for your good, and for everybody's good, and is always in the process of bringing about restoration, making us whole, restoring us to our original identity. Grace is always and continually expressing and revealing and giving you agape love, Never-ending, never-failing, agape love, agape love, and all its many expressions. So God wants us to see, to visualize. Sometimes they say the word behold, believe, trust that you have the overflowing, indwelling power of God, omnipotent power in person, energizing and empowering you to do all sorts of things, like to be at peace. See, when we're tempted to worry or to be anxious, here's what God is showing me he wants us to do. Just stop and say, Holy Spirit in me, I'm tempted to worry about getting COVID or losing my job or not having enough money at the end of the month or losing a friend or something like that. I'm tempted to worry about that. Holy Spirit, what do you want me to know about that? What are you saying to me about that? What do you want me to think about that and believe about that? And the Holy Spirit will tell us. He will tell you. He will, many times he'll say to me, Paul, you're worrying about something that's not even going to happen. And you're worried because you're thinking about something in your mind and you're not including me in that. You're worrying about getting sick or having this happen or that happen. And when you worry about that, you don't even think about me being there in you, with you, helping you, protecting you, guiding you, giving you wisdom, providing for you. You don't see me in it. That's why you're anxious, and that's why you're in despair, and that's why you're worried and depressed. So the Holy Spirit in us will tell us those things. All we have to do is ask. The Holy Spirit in you right now is empowering you to love, to forgive, to literally see what will happen in the future, to be patient, to be full of joy, to be kind, to be good, to be gentle, to understand what's going on, to live by the faith of Christ, to trust to manifest as a son or daughter of God. The Holy Spirit in you is helping you to visualize, imagine, see, co-create with God. The Holy Spirit in you is communicating with you, literally helping you to hear. 
The Holy Spirit in you is healing and regenerating and transforming you and giving you rest, enabling you to rest. The Holy Spirit is empowering you to say and do what Jesus asked you to say and do. The Holy Spirit in you is empowering you to persevere, to overcome, to walk in the light, to discern truth and lies, to not take offense, to let go of hurts and unforgiveness and perceived wrongs. The Holy Spirit in you is empowering you to attract good. The Holy Spirit in you is empowering you to see the good in other people, to live free, to receive and give grace, to intimately know the Trinity. The Holy Spirit in you is empowering you to not worry or be anxious, but to see the best and to trust. You have the divine power of God himself in you, energizing you, and empowering you to do all of those things, and much more than we can even imagine. Now, I want to go back to the truth that the Holy Spirit of Christ, grace in you, reveals truth to you. Don Keithley mentioned last week in his teaching that his understanding is that the benchmark of spiritual maturity is seeing God, seeing yourself, and seeing all people as God sees himself, you, and all people. Let me say that again. The benchmark of spiritual maturity, seeing God, seeing yourself, and seeing all people as God sees himself, you, and all people. Spiritual maturity, contrary to what religion has taught us, has nothing to do with behavior. It has nothing to do with keeping rules. Spiritual maturity has nothing to do with spiritual disciplines like fasting, prayer, Bible study, scripture memory, giving, or serving. Muslims do all of those things. Hindus do all of those things. Religious Christians do all of those things. You can do all of those things and not know Jesus or Papa or the Holy Spirit. You can do all those things I mentioned and not love people. You can do all those things I mentioned and live in fear. Now, there's nothing wrong with doing those things, fasting, praying, Bible study, those. There's nothing wrong with those. They just have nothing to do with spiritual maturity. They don't cause God to love and favor you. They don't earn you blessings. They don't make you better. They don't store up treasures for you in heaven. <laughs> Spiritual maturity is knowing God, who is love and light and pure goodness and grace in action. Spiritual maturity is seeing yourself as God sees you. One with God, one with love and light and pure goodness and grace and action. Spiritual maturity, the ultimate, ultimate part of spiritual maturity is seeing everyone as one with love, as seeing Christ in everyone, seeing everyone through the eyes of pure light and goodness and grace and action. The opposite of spiritual maturity is not knowing <laughs> Not knowing who God really is, not knowing who you really are, not knowing who all people are, 
And when we don't know, we act out. We live out of that not knowing. Father, forgive them. They don't know. See, when you don't know, you perish. Perish has nothing to do with going to hell. <laughs> I mean, that it's nothing to do. Perish means you just sort of wither away. The life just sort of drains out of you. You don't experience real life. That's what perishing is. When you don't know, you live in darkness and you stumble around. When you don't know, you're going to judge and criticize and complain. You're going to judge yourself. You're going to judge God like the older brother and in, in, uh, the prodigal brother thing. You're, you're going to judge other people because you don't know. When you don't know, you can be full of worry and angst and doubt. I would submit to you that all of worry and angst and doubt is because we don't know. Now, we may know, but we forget or we choose to not remember and not include what we know in our thoughts. When you don't know, you can be depressed. But when you know, you flourish the opposite of perish. You have and you experience abundant life. You experience peace and joy. You live loved and you love others. Now, I want to close with this one thing, and I, I may teach another time soon, a whole time just on this. This is something that I've just become more aware of. Well, <laughs> not more. I'm really aware of for the first time recently, and it's interesting. John 16, 12, and 13. I read this scripture earlier. Jesus said the night before he died, you know, they didn't know what to do because here Jesus was going to leave them. Jesus said, no, it's going to be a good thing for you. It's going to be better for you that I'm gone because I'm going to send the Holy Spirit who's going to be in you. I can't be in you now. I can only be in one place at a time. He said, I want to say a whole lot more to you now, but it's more than you can grasp at the moment. But when the truth-giving Holy Spirit of Christ comes and lives in you, the Holy Spirit in you will unveil the reality of every truth within you. He won't speak his own message, but only what he hears from the Father, and he will reveal prophetically to you what is to come. I want to leave you with that thought, and I'm doing this myself. I encourage you to meditate, to ponder. You know the Holy Spirit in you. Get quiet, be still, and if there's a situation that you're concerned about, say, Holy Spirit, show me what you want me to know about what's to come. Like maybe you're thinking about taking a job in another city that pays more than what you're getting now. Holy Spirit, show me what is to come. And the Holy Spirit may very well say, you know what? Don't go. There's going to be a big downturn in the economy there. You're going to move there, not know any people, not have a support group. You could very well lose your job there, and you'd be much better off being here where you are. The Holy Spirit does things like that. The Holy Spirit reveals to you what is to come. The Holy Spirit has revealed to me a number of things, some major things in my life, just in this last period of time about what is to come and what is not to come. And you know what? When you hear those things from the Holy Spirit, it takes all the pressure off. You don't have to worry. You can relax and you can rest. And that's what he wants us to do all the time. Hey, thanks everybody for being with me. I've enjoyed this time together. We'll see you next time. As I always say, grow in grace. Thank you for listening to Grace to All. For more about us, 
how we can serve you, and our special guest, please visit www.gracewithpaulgray.com. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast so that you never miss an episode and to join our Facebook group, Grace to All, where you'll be inspired and awakened to more truth that you can handle.